Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. We've been going through a sermon series probably since, oh, I don't know, probably February in Acts. And so uh, we're, we've gotten to Acts 17 uh, this week. And uh, here's the deal. I'm just going to let you know, not that you're kind of like been concerned about this. Maybe I have more than you, but uh, I have been uh, challenged by the sermon, sermon team that we will be done with Acts by the end of the year. So I have nine weeks to finish this up. So if you guys are like, wow, he's got 10 chapters for nine weeks, and I've been spending almost a whole entire year on, on 17 chapters, hey, the end is in sight. And so uh, some of the best stuff in Acts is coming, but we figure what we'd like to do is just kind of shore up some things, uh, actually just be looking at big chapters as, as a whole together. And so if you haven't been with us, though, uh, this whole entire time, the whole book of Acts is based on one verse, and it's found in uh, Acts 1.8, and it says this right here. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the outer ends of the earth. Literally, what he's saying is the whole entire point of us becoming believers is that we would take on as the church to be witnesses to the whole entire world, not only in our families as we kind of saw this morning, but all the way to the ends, outer ends of the earth. Whether that means that we use our time, talents, and resources to that matter, but the whole goal is that we want to witness about Christ absolutely everywhere we go. And then we come to chapter 17. And uh, the title of the sermon today is How to Be a Troublemaker. Um, and it's kind of interesting that we have come to uh, this point in me asking you the question, how to be a troublemaker, because if you uh, know anything about me, um, I would not consider myself a troublemaker, but uh, a lot of people would. You know, I had a lot of teachers in grade school that would say, hey, you're just a troublemaker. And I would like to actually kind of do a definition of what I think about myself. It is this, is I may be a troublemaker to some people, but the whole point is, is that I do like to follow the rules. And so I will usually ask the questions, what are the rules? And then I will find a way to sneak around those rules, right? So I don't feel like that's that bad of a thing, right? So I know all the rules. I stay within the rules, but hey, you know, I do read the fine print. And if you're like me and Harvey, we read the manuals all the time. Right, Harvey? That's what we love to do. And so just to find our, our little spaces. But I started asking people today, like, do you think that you're a troublemaker? One of my friends says, my aunt thinks I'm such a troublemaker that one year she invited my dad to Thanksgiving, but not me. Right? And she said, uh, don't let that varmint come. Right? We call people rascals. We call people, hey, stop those shenanigans. We say, we, we use this new term, those youths. Those youths doing things, ruffians, troublemakers. You know, even some of you would look at this and go, those millennials, those millennials, they're making so much trouble, right? There's even some of us who would go, those little Satan helpers running around. And I think the reason why we say those things, troublemakers and all that sort of stuff, is because either they are they're challenging the status quo 
or they really are breaking the law. And I would like to talk about the other side of things is what if we challenge the status quo? Why is it that most people, when they get into their 20s and above, 25s and above, that no longer do we really call them all those troublemakers, right? We don't, we don't really put them in those categories, those little rascals, right? We call them little, right? Because we expect them to grow up and kind of grab onto these norms and say, now this is how you should behave. Well, what if that's not the whole entire point? Now, for those of you who are fifth, sixth, and seventh, and eighth graders and high school students that are in, in the room right now, this is not for you to go home and go, hey, Seth told me to be a troublemaker, so I'm going to have as much fun as I possibly can in your house. Um, what, I'm, what I'm saying is this, is in looking at Scripture today, when we dive into it, we start to see that when we follow Christ, it is not the status quo. It is not the norm of things going around us. To live as Christ is not normal. A lot of us in this room would go, yes, it is normal, but to the outside world, allowing our lives to be put under the guidance and direction of Jesus Christ is not a normal thing. In fact, actually, it's considered weird. It is not something that is commonly known to most people. If you were to go into your office tomorrow or wherever you work or your coffee bar or your coffee shop with somebody tomorrow or, or some other, other place outside of this and you started going, hey, let me tell you about Jesus Christ and why he matters, a lot of people would go, no, 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 let's not go there. Or, you would, or they would say, we don't have time for that. Don't mess around. And yet, all of you in this room or I should say most of you in this room would say this, that the foundation of my life is built on Jesus Christ. And so if that's the truth, then where do we go from there? How do we become troublemakers then? Because most of you are probably not in trouble right now in your relation, for living out your relationship with Jesus Christ. There's probably not somebody in your life going, would you stop talking about Jesus? Or, and later on we're going to find out that these people say that, uh, hey, Paul and Silas are turning the world upside down. I know that Christ has turned your world upside down, but how about the rest of those around you? It doesn't, it's not a call for you to go in tomorrow and bring your Bible and start thumping as many people as you possibly can. That's not the issue here. But when I read this idea of troublemakers and I started going, well, what about my life? I just got done coaching I just got done coaching uh, football. Our last, uh, our last game was yesterday for junior hires. And I thought to myself, all of, them know that I'm, uh, all of them know that I am a pastor. In fact, actually, my nickname is Pope, even though I keep on telling them that I am not a Pope. I am not a part of the Catholic Church. That is, he's way too more, he, he knows way more stuff than I do. But I started thinking to myself going, how did I communicate with them? on a daily basis about how scripture has affected my life. Why am I a pastor? And so then, I, I, not that I ever got really mad at myself and going, oh man, why can't I do this? But it just made me realize, is there more about how I can share Jesus than simply just my position? Is there more that you can share Jesus than just by going, we attend Glasgow Evangelical Church? Is there more than you can, that you can do then just simply go, yeah, I'm Christian. Can you bring somebody along? Can you show what God has been doing in your life to people? And that's exactly what we're going to get into today. And so would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we want to be your witnesses. 
and I'll be the first to admit that I'm not the greatest. And so God, would you help us to go back to some of our foundations this morning and, and solidify some things up in our lives so that we can walk out of here with excitement, with understanding, with a desire to know you more and to know your scripture more. So God, open our hearts this morning. In your name we pray, amen. The very first um, kind of verse that's uh, out there that I wanna get to that kind of launches us into this whole entire thing is actually found in Acts 17, um, and it's verses, uh, that's, it's verses 6 and 7. Would you guys pull that up? I'm sorry. We'll go, we'll go back to it. So verses 6 and 7 say this, not finding them there, they dragged out Jason. So they're looking for, they're looking for Paul and Silas. They're in Thessalonica at this moment. They're looking for Paul and Silas around the city, but instead they can't find it. So they're staying with a guy named Jason. They pulled Jason out and some of the other believers instead and look and took them before the city council. This is, I love this verse. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. <laughs> Guys, this is like before the age of Instagram, before the age of Facebook, before the age of YouTube, before the age of Hulu, all this sort of stuff, right? Like they already know that Paul and Silas are troublemakers. The word is spreading quickly. They're, they're not just saying, oh yeah, these guys are making trouble everywhere. They're shouting this. And now they are disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are guilty of treason against Caesar for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. There's so much in there that I want to get to that I'm not going to get to today, right? I mean, I could go into the political aspect. I could go into all, all these other things about who is our king and all of that. But the biggest point that I want to make is Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. They're already doing what Acts 1-8 is talking about. Go, be my witnesses. And the whole point is that they are professing allegiance to another king named Jesus. And so today I want to talk just about that. How do you become a troublemaker? And it's found in a couple verses later. We're going to go back and forth in this chapter. Just to let you know, there's two places that we're looking at. There is Thessalonica in here, and there's also Athens. Okay, so those are the two areas that's going on. And so really what happens is, is Paul kind of leaves Silas and Timothy to kind of do some stuff back in Thessalonica to set up the church while Paul moves on and goes into Athens. And so we're going to fast forward a little bit to, uh, to Acts 17 verses. I have this up here. I don't know why it's not there. Verses 23 through 31. And here's what happens, okay? So Paul ends up leaving Thessalonica and he goes into Athens and he's walking around this place. Now, Athens is has a great history of intellectual thinkers, right? We have things like Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, all from these areas. These are great thinkers of going, hey, be thinking about spirituality, right? This is a very spiritual place. In fact, actually, some people would say it's the intellectual capital of the world at this time. And so Paul is walking around and he's looking at all of these idols, and they're all named, right? It's just going around everywhere naming. And then he comes across one idol. And it's the idol of an unknown God. And of course, Paul is sitting there going, these people are so misguided and directed. 
They don't even know where they're pointing to. They don't know where they're going. And so you would think that Paul would get super upset and start knocking over these idols, right? And going, you guys are all wrong. No, he actually starts going into synagogues and just preaching slowly about knowing scripture, about knowing things and and starting to reveal to them. And then we pick up in verse 22 because everybody's like, man, this guy's actually really smart. We're going to bring him in. And so here's what it says. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as followers, as, as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For I am walking along, for as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determines their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of, you own, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of a God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead." talk about an amazing section of scripture. Guys, I've noticed that you have this statue of an unknown God. We were reading in our, um, our meditation this week in uh, 1 Chronicles 17, 20, and something that uh, is amazing me is he says, he says, who can fathom how great you are, God? We have never heard of another God like you. There's no one like you and we have never heard of another God like you. It's funny that this inscription in uh, this idol says the unknown God. I wrote in my little notes as I was meditating that <laughs> we've heard of a lot of gods. We just don't name them as such. We, you, we oftentimes say, yep, this is God in our lives. A lot of us go, yep, Jesus Christ, God, perfect. And then we think that there's no other gods in our lives, but there is. We just don't name them as gods in our lives. For instance, Jesus comes along and he says, hey, where your treasure is, your heart is also. Whatever your treasure is, is your God. Where you spend your time is possibly your God. I think it's interesting for me that sometimes I mark off my, my book list and go, all right, I've done my devotions today and I've never maybe read one verse and then I read what somebody else has to say for a really long time and go, yep, I've done my Bible reading. So the very first thing that if you're taking notes with me, I want you to write in here is how to be a troublemaker is first reveal the unknown God to yourself and to others. Do we really know him? 
Or is he a God and multiple other gods that we have placed in our lives? Do we squeeze him into a little section and go, God, that's good enough for me, and we move on to things? Or do we invite him to be with us every single day, every single moment, every single hour, every single second? God, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit, which is back at Acts 1.8. Let these verses that are uh, underneath the reveal the unknown God, Deuteronomy 6.4, Mark 12.29, Isaiah 45.5, Joel 2.27, just look at those and just start diving into these people are going, oh my goodness, this is unbelievable. This is the one true God. I even think back in the very first commandment that you shall have no other gods before me. And I'm going to tell you today that this sermon is more for me than any of you guys. Because what happens is, is how do we reveal the unknown God And the place that I keep going back to is scripture over and over and over again. And so we're going to jump back into uh, Acts 17, verse 2. And it says, in this, it says, And as Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scripture to reason with the people. He's not just saying, hey, this is what I feel like we should do, but no, I'm going to talk to you about scripture. Last week, we did something interesting as a church family together, and I, and I know I push you into areas that were a little bit more difficult, but we broke into groups, and we said, hey, we're going to pray specifically through Scripture. If you pray through all 150 Psalms, you will get every theological thing that's out there to pray to God about. Is God my true God? Does God forgive my sins? Has God covered me through his son, Jesus Christ? All of those things we get to pray about. And then I thought about going, wait a second. If that's the case, I just want to know scripture as much as possible because I want to be able to talk to people about that always. If we had somebody come up to us and say, and say to you, hey, I'm spiritual, just not religious, what would you say to that? Would you go, yeah, I'm... I'm, 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 I'm not religious either. I follow Jesus and just leave it at that. What, is that. what does that mean? Or would you go, hey, let me tell you what I found. Let me tell you about this book here. This book is unbelievable and it tells everything that's happened to me, everything that's going on in my life, how to deal with it, how to come to Christ, how to look at all my situations in my life. No, I'd, I'd much rather go, man, I'm, let me tell you about being transformed and conformed. Let me tell you about what, um, what I know to be true about God and his presence in my life. I was talking to a guy um, for probably about 30 minutes um, when I was at the pastor's prayer summit, and it blew my mind because in that 30 minutes, I guarantee he quoted over 20 verses to me. And it wasn't like, oh, well, the Bible says in Acts chapter 17, verses 20, this and this. No, he just simply just said it. And it made sense in all the context of what we were talking about. And I was like, that's a Bible verse. Oh my goodness, that's a Bible verse. Wow, that's a Bible verse. Wow, that's a Bible verse. Okay, great, that's a Bible verse. I was just blown away because I was just thinking, once again, where our treasure is, there our heart is also. Jesus also says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if our heart is where our treasure is and where our heart, where our mouth, or where our heart is, that's where the mouth speaks, I would sit there and I'd go, oh my goodness, I want to talk about scripture, not just say, hey, dude, you should read this. Talk about it. This morning, when you're driving, when you're in your car, when you're eating breakfast, when you're going to bed, when you're at dinner time with one another, 
Talk about it as much as you can. Then it goes on to say, what else does Paul do in verse 3? And he says, he explained the prophecies to people. Explain scripture. Look at it and actually read it and go, this is what it means. This is what it says. I love Hebrews 12 when it says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It divides between joints and marrow, and it goes on and says, and it, and it divides even telling us the judgments of our hearts. We talked about last week in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that scripture is good for teaching and reproving and correcting and showing us where we've been wrong and kind of move on. Explaining scripture allows us to not only see it for what it is, but also see it for where it's at in our hearts. Do we know the value of scripture? And I think every one of you in this room would say scripture is unbelievable. It's beyond valuable. But now it comes down to, do I value scripture in my life? We all know the value of it, but do, do I know the value in my own life? The next one he says is in verse three, he goes on and says, he explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He proves scripture. He looks back and goes, hey, this is where the Old Testament, this is where our nations used to be. This is what we used to believe and this is where we were going. And now we see Jesus Christ. We even see it in his discourse, his time in front of the council where he tells them, hey, this is what's been going on for a really long time. And God overlooked our ignorance of him and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. This word prove actually means to give evidence or to actually place beside or set before somebody. And so, what he, so the whole entire proving is like, have you considered this? So when we're in a conversation with somebody and they're talking about all these things about how they've read how to deal with X, Y, and Z, we can say, hey, have you considered what the Bible says about this area in your life. Have you considered how this can apply to your life? I've heard one guy say that I don't ascribe to Christianity, but I will tell you that this is the best book that's out there on how to live your life. I thought that was a really interesting comment that he made. I don't ascribe to the Christianity thing, but I will tell you that this is the best book out there on how to live life. I ascribe to this Christianity thing. I'm going to tell you it is the best book on how to live life. And so can you, can I help you consider this? 1 Peter 3.15 says, be ready at any moment to share the hope you have. Talk about scripture. Talk about how it's changed your life. Explain how scripture has been and, and prove and go, consider this. This is what I was like before. This is what I am like now. And the only way that we can do that is have scripture in us. And I want to encourage you this week to to please take every opportunity you can. If you don't, if you've never opened up a Bible or you're just like, man, I'm stuck on where to read. One of my favorite books to read because I'm kind of a guy is Mark, Mark uh, the book of Mark. Man, it is a fast read. It tells you all of what Jesus did. Bam, 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 bam. Mark is like, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, right? He doesn't get into all the feelings or all the emotions of things. He just jumps right in. These are all the miracles he had. This is who Jesus was. Go. If you want to take a little bit more time and kind of see the um, idea of who Jesus is, man, dive into, dive into John. John is all about proving who Jesus was and theologically going, he was the son of God. And this is why, and this is why, and going to prove it. If you want to read an Old Testament book, Judges is unbelievable, right? God keeps on saying, all right, Israel, I'll help you come back 
to me. And so he get, gives him a judge and everything kind of is okay for a while. And then they leave, they kind of walk away from God and God brings another judge in, right? Just want to encourage you that, man, this book is not dead. And this is what's going to help us as a church be the witnesses to Glasgow, Valley County, Montana, and to the outer ends of the earth because we value scripture. It is kind of the salt and pepper on everything we do because I, I, I want to be a troublemaker. When I hear that, it, it just excites me, right? I, I get excited to go, yeah, I don't want to get in a bar fight or anything, but I just want to be a troublemaker that goes, hey, I value Jesus Christ so much that I want to give you Hey, have you considered this? So we're going to end with a song uh, this morning called We Believe. And, and it's, it's this idea that, yeah, let our faith be more than just anthems. It is, what do we truly believe? Do we believe that Scripture changes hearts? Do we believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord? Because when we do, then that means that we desire to spend time with Him. That means that we want to know this this unknown God really to us sometimes because as we dive in, we learn way more about him over and over again. Next week, I'm excited to hear stories from you guys about what scripture has said to you or what things you've learned in scripture. If you don't know where to start in scripture and you're like, just give me a story, come up to me after church and I'll tell you some great ones to read, some things that continually allow us to see, oh, this is the unknown God. This is the scripture that reveals to me who he is. And then I talk about it. And this is what I'm getting to learn. One of my questions I want to just start asking people, and I, and I do a lot of times, is, hey, what's God teaching you this week? What's God directing you in this week? And as I hear these stories, it just explains scripture more and more. And then I get to understand, wow. That's a different way of looking at those things. You are proving over and over again that God is not dead. That this is a real thing that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. Look for ways this week to talk about how God is changing your heart in different aspects. Ask for moments in which God can allow you to just not sneak something in, but sure, Sneak something in to go, hey, have you considered Jesus? Dear Heavenly Father God, would we just desire your word? Would we desire that uh, we talk about your scripture, that we explain it to those around us, or that we even have it explained to us, but God, that we would prove your scripture by having people consider it, or just allowing your word to prove that it is from you. God, we thank you and we love you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.